Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. podcast we are here on this bank holiday monday to bring you the first monday podcast since the managerial change or situation <laughs> not really change yet is it um i joining myself Stephen goes to do that is gareth barker evening not evening, <laughs> evening calm down yeah <laughs> i mean has been a long few days it's just, just brought us by instinct because we know we record later yeah no good yeah. evening yeah, good, good, day time, some good, daytime good afternoon, good morning, technically. So yeah, just, hmm. just, just about, just about the morning. How exciting! How are you feeling? Mm. You all, are, you, are you relaxed now? <laughs> relaxed. <laughs> um, getting into some conversations on the socials. No, some, you know what engaging it is. in some debates. Stupid, isn't it? <laughs> Don't. Honestly, I've been really good at not arguing on the internet for such a long time. And for some reason, I started to argue with people on the internet again. And, you know, never it, it never ends well, really, does it? It just ends with people shouting at each other. So, yeah, that's what yeah. I've been doing this bank holiday weekend. That's exciting, isn't it? Arguing on the internet. Not primarily, not primarily. That I've been doing other things as well. Like, obviously, I had to do some DIY this morning because it's bank holiday. So... It's like you have to. It's like a tradition, isn't it? So I assembled something, um, and then I've done. What this. did you? So what did you assemble? It was a Kallax, obviously. I mean, everyone's got a Kallax or a Lac or a Billy in the house, haven't they? Let's be honest. No, I mean, I'm, I've got Nick. I've got well, Nick. Nick Barnes is on with us. I don't, I don't feel like he's an IKEA man. Personally. Oh, I've got I've got lots of IKEA bits and. Oh, bits. Well, there you go. I I, I did. I, I, I am uh, was with you there with the Billy. I've got a few yeah, Billies. Everyone's got a Billy. Everyone's I mean, got a Billy. If it's a name of the podcast sorted out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's of course Nick Barnes, um, who I'm sure needs little introduction. Really, you're too professional, Nick, to go arguing with strangers on the internet, aren't you? Mm, probably not. <laughs> I have my moments. Yeah, I think I was <laughs> get the impression you rise above that sort of thing. Jen, I try to. I try to, because as Gareth said, it never ends well. Never does. I mean, yeah, I mean you, you could get sacked, Nick, if you, if you say the wrong thing. I mean, <laughs> true, true. I just, I just, just have to carry the shame around with me, basically. So on the daily basis. Well, mm, there's only one topic to to start with. If you if you're interested in Sunderland, uh, obviously. Uh, the cost of energy prices got up now. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, that was a good start of Friday, wasn't it? Oh, I've got to pay well, thousands well, someone, a month. So, who did on someone electric. tweet? Someone tweeted when Alex Neil left. The reason he left is because he needed more money to pay the electricity bill. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, bill, get on you? <clears throat> we'll get on to that. I mean, this is you know, curse Alex Neil for this because Sunderland Twitter. In particular, and Sunderland Socials has been quite harmonious for a while. It's the best everybody's got on, and uh, and this is this is very much split people to one side or the other. Where it doesn't seem to be any sort of room for manoeuvre, like Brexit. <laughs> you back, you, uh, you pick a side, and you back it no matter what. And I think like where, where I come from on, on, on this is, I think it's 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 fair. You understand people's instinct is to have a go at Neil because the line is he's left. We try to give him more money. He's gone elsewhere for money. We know the tribalism involved in football. Um, 
we took two weeks to appoint him. We waited for that. You know, a lot. I can understand why people think, well, why, you know, did he not even, you know, stick around and try and negotiate for a little bit longer before making his mind up and leaving? And and I, I, I get it because he's the best thing that's happened to us in ages in terms of managers. And I get why people would react like that. It's, you know, understanding that on, on a basic level. And, and people look at Stoke as a very much a sideways step in terms of prestige or, even a step down, really. I mean, Dennis Smith, um, Stoke City legend, Dennis, Dennis Smith, and sat with us and did a podcast, and, and he was quite clear that he said Sunderland are a much bigger club than Stoke. So, you know, I don't think we're being arrogant or anything saying that. Um, but it's just, if you look a bit deeper, you, you, you look a bit deeper, you should be allowed to ask questions, and there are just things that seem concerning. Stoke City aren't Man City, Nick. They can't be throwing that much money at them. To the point where you're like, oh, I've, I've got to walk away. That is a ridiculous offer. And there's just so many question marks. What, why did the club not announce this new deal thing? If, if, uh, well, if, if, it, was, if it was a new deal. Do you know I where do I, where do I, where, where, where shall I start? Uh, the, 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 you're right about questions to be asked. And I think what the, one of the problems is um, nobody from the club and, and Alex Neil hasn't come out publicly and said, well, this is a timeline. This is what happened. And this is why I've gone. So it becomes it's a bit of obfuscation happens then. People then jump to conclusions. I think initially we, we had the, the um, it, it was said to be transfers. It wasn't backed in the transfer market. Well, that's not the reason at all. In fact, transfers has got nothing to do with this at all. It's all about um, being valued and what you value your position. Um, and that, that, that is not just Alex Neil, it's players, staff, um, and you know the general you know perception of what what do the club how how much they value their employee if you like and that's where we that's where we were with Alex Neil now the, I, I think both the club and Alex Neil in the cold light of day will put their hands up and say yeah we could have handled this or that better and it it was left to fester if you like from Wembley onwards you mentioned the deal I think the problem was that Sunderland didn't go to Alex Neil after Wembley and promotion and say, right, let's nail a three, four-year contract. Let's get you sat down. Let's uh, look at the contract in, in the round in full. And they didn't. And, and it was left to sort of roll along as though everything was rosy in the garden and nothing would change. And four weeks ago. Let, let's, let's, let's get it right. That is a huge, massive mistake. It's not yes, like people weren't asking for that. We were all saying, yeah. get of him off that is. rolling contract. Yeah. Because uh, another thing people, are, again, sometimes just, you know, no room for conversation. Just quick to note, this is what I'm taking the club stance from, taking the manager stance, and the people taking the club stance. He's always signed rolling contracts, and they've probably just gone and dug that information out. And then, actually, if you, actually, you look a little bit further, he got Norwich promoted, and they offered him a contract immediately after that. Yeah, you see, so that, that's that, that's that's so that you, you go back to that point, and that's where this all started. And yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's gone to Stoke and he signed a three-year contract. So that hmm. that whole issue about the rolling contract is is a bit of a red herring. But the, the contract four weeks ago was really a sort of embellishment of the rolling contract. I think he, I mean, from what I understand, I think um, Alex Neil was felt that he was over a barrel with it, and, and he sort of thought, felt he had to sign it. It's, it's an embellishment of the rolling contract. A few more noughts here or X's there and whatever else, but it's not. It wasn't the three, four-year deal. I think he was looking for and ho- had hoped for, deserved probably and deserved. And so, well, so you know, see, I think it's, it's, so. You saying Nick? Sorry to interrupt that. Mm. I think this is interesting. I think what you're saying is really interesting in terms of um, the narrative that that that's being set. Are you, are you saying that? Because a lot of people said, "Oh, well, he always wanted the twelve-month rule and contract so he could get away." <laughs> Are you saying that he he was hoping for a longer deal? At some I point? I think he was looking one. Yeah, the, the better. I mean, there's no there's no question. I mean, the, the bottom line here is Alex Neil has has gone because he felt undervalued. In a nutshell, um, the club then when he's decided to go, probably too late, decide to offer him the bigger contract and try and make him the highest paid wage earner at Sunderland. But it's too late because the decision's been made which should have been made four months ago, three months ago, whatever it is. So then I think the point is going back to not being offered the contract in, in May when they, they'd won promotion and then being left 
you know, I think the club are a bit ahead in the sand here, thinking, oh, well, he'll be here forever. He's going to stay because he's done this. In fact, that's that wasn't obviously wasn't the case. Now, Stephen mentioned, you know, money at Stoke. And from what I understand, they're doubling what Sunderland's highest offer to Alex Neal was. So he's gone to Stoke for double the money that was the highest offer that Sunderland could make because Sunderland had that ceiling because of the model they've now adopted. So there's two there's two ways of looking at that. So this can create a pause in perceptions and kind of because on one hand you could say, well, you know, they throw money at it's ridiculous if they double money he's on, but then you you know far away know it could have been terrible money that he was on. But we'll probably never ever know that for sure. But again, going back to my point where like Stokes they aren't Man City. So I can't believe that, you know, as as well as he's done for Sunderland, Alex Nail, he's not somebody you would look at and say, let's throw obscene amounts of money at this guy, would you? You just wouldn't do it. So I think if we talk about no, what I, terms, I think, in relative but terms... But I think Alex Neil in his own mind... Alex Neil in his own mind has got a, a value he attaches to himself <clears throat> for what he's done and what he's achieved and, and, and who he is as a, as a coach. I think he feels coach uh, Stoke value him for that and are remunerating him for what, uh, what he sees is the market value or whatever for what he does as a coach. I think he feels that Sunderland undervalued him. And even though they came with a you know, bid, it was too late because he said, I think at that point, it, the, the decisions have been made. Stoke have, have, have made their position clear. And he's he's going to a club where he knows the owners anyway because they tried to sign they tried to appoint him once before, um, and it is closer to home for him. That there is, that is another factor, but predominantly it, it's it's all about um, the, the perception of the, the two clubs as to the value they attach to Alex Neil and Alex Neil's perception of himself and his own ego and his own pride as to what he values himself at in the market for, you know, what a championship manager, head coach, stroke head coach is paid. I think, well, I mean, we'll never, we'll never know, obviously, the, the figures, the ins and outs, the version of events that you've explained, Nick, slightly different to the, the version of events that, that I heard, but similar. Um, I just think, I asked this question yesterday and the responses I got, didn't answer the question. People were like, well, we're never going to know that. But the question, I and it goes a bit along the lines of what you're talking about, Neil, saying there is, you know, I was saying, what do you think, basically, how much do you think Stoke offered him? How much do you think Sunderland offered him? And how much do you think is a reasonable amount of money to pay somebody in the position that Alex Neil's in, um, in the championship? And nobody answered the question, which is fine. But it's just interesting, isn't it? Because when we talk about players, it's like, oh, you know, how much is he getting a week? How much are they getting a week? Or like this player is, you know, he's not getting paid enough. You know, he needs, you know, he's going to go there and get more money. We need to give him a better contract with more money, all that kind of stuff. You know, we're not having the same conversation about Alex Neal. If Alex Neal's on, say, say the going rate for a top eight championship manager is like 40 grand a week and we're giving him 20 grand a week, then like you say, as a manager, why would you not be like, well, wait a minute, I'm operating sort of at a lower level salary and overachieving with the group that I've got. And yet you're not you're not remunerating me accordingly. I want like you're intimately wanted wanted a, a new longer term deal on the on the appropriate terms, which you weren't willing to give. And that's that's you know sounds like that's that's the reason he's he's gone. I mean, I know people have talked about the way it was handled even before the game, the day of a game, and all that. Like for me, I feel that's a little bit childish, to be honest. A bit over over emotive, sort of like, oh, how could he do this to us? We've got a game tomorrow, sort of thing. Come on, it's professional football. You talk about huge sums of money. That reaction's always huge, happen, though, huge. I agree with you on this. The, the none of us know the sums involved, and it's interesting because if they were players, we probably would have a clearer idea of what a player is earning. But we don't know what managers. I'm calling managers rather than head coach. I mean, generally, generally speaking, a manager will earn less than a player. 
Yeah, not, generally not, speaking, but they will still earn good money. I think we're, yeah. look, we're we're not we're not we're not talking talking five figures here. I think we're to, you know we're talking six figure sums, and you know we're talking significant amounts of money, and we're talking you know Stoke City. I mean, I think there's another thing here is the time this timeline, the week. You know, it's no coincidence. I think Sunderland were at Stoke, and then, <laughs> um, as I understand it, Stoke City had already made the decision before they played Sunderland that Michael O'Neill was going to be sacked. So there, there is a club that is looking for a new manager. Uh, Alex Neal is a manager they tried to, to get before. Sunderland plays Stoke. A week later, Alex Neal's the Stoke City manager. Uh, you know, there's, so there's, um, you can see, you know, in that timeline, in that week, that, that between the Saturday at Stoke City and the Friday at Sunderland, I, I think, you know, things have gone on which have cut, which had come to a head and which had become intractable in, in, in the sense, I think Alex Neal by Friday had already made up his mind to go. Whatever Sunderland did then or tried to do on the Friday when they found out he wanted to go was, was too little too late, basically, because Alex Neal had already made that decision. I just can't believe they didn't... Pl- How can you not put so much like value on it? We were going absolutely, absolutely nowhere. It was unequivocally Alex Neil who got us promoted last season. The state of that squad when he come in, getting humped. Six I, I, at, I, at, at I agree with you. I think, but I think there's an, almost there's an arrogance from the club that they didn't believe he would go anywhere. I think I think the the, the, the arrogance comes from believing that Sunderland is the size of club that it is, and what he'd achieved, what the squad he built, and the players that were coming in. I think they were blinded. To the fact that actually you've still got to treat Alex Neal as a you know a human being and reward him for what he's done, and I think they I go back to where they I think they buried their head in the sand over this over the summer were too sort of focused on you know getting the model to work in terms of the um, recruitment for of players uh, you know and, and got sidelined from actually sitting down and saying, well, hang on a minute, let's look at what we've got here. We've got the, we've got the crown jewels, but unfortunately got the crown jewels and left the back door open. It's, it's, it's staggering, you know, and, and, and people were kicking off the other week about the ticket office not being open and the club shop being not open and still alarm bells aren't ringing for, for some people about the, the, the people who are running the club and the decisions they're making. Why you don't have to be business-minded to know that the first thing they should have done when they got promoted is reward the guy who's just done, who's just made that happen after fear. Well, after everybody says, why do you have him, and why is it in the contract that he can talk to another championship club? You know, who 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 agrees a contract where you allow your prized asset to talk to one of your rivals? The thing is, as well, like you know, that I don't know what's going to happen in the next few days. I understand people are really angry with Alex Neal. Um, from an emotional perspective, yeah, you would be. I mean, it's like, you know, the jilted ex-lover, isn't it? That's what it is. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of he's cheated on us, basically. That's like, that's I understand that, but said this a few times in the last sort of few days, these people are never going to love the club the way you love the club as a, as a fan. It just isn't going to happen. And just because you think you know we we like brilliant because we all these we've got fantastic stadium facilities, fans, history, all that kind of thing. To some people, that doesn't mean it's not going to mean as much. Like you can see, everyone can talk about it, but ultimately, you you know when well, when, when you're talking about you, work, you, it's a job. You're it's right. Job. I mean, he's not Alex Neal's not a sentimentalist. He's not yeah. a romantic. You, yeah. We've seen that in the time that he's been at Sunderland. Yeah. He's very much a football man football head very much a pragmatist and you know he's he's like anybody else if anybody else came along and offered you double the money you you probably go and he's not i mean as much as he i do know he you know he he accepts and knows how, how big the fan base is he knows how big the club is i know this is not has not been an easy decision for him to make because of that side of it but it's the it's it's the pragmatic side of alex neil that is 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 letting his head rule his heart rather than his heart rule yeah. his head. And that's basically what's happened then. Yeah. I mean, 
you, we won't know what the again the, with the money thing. I mean, even if you know, I mean, I've heard a suggestion that you know he was you know he was, he would have he was willing to stay for less than he was getting at Stoke, um, but we wouldn't do that. You know, it's like someone saying, "Well, these are often as twenty. I'm on ten. Will you? I'll stay for fifteen, and then them saying, "No, well, we'll give you twelve, and then you going, "Well, no, and that's it." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure that happened. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction on the Friday to suddenly come up with, you know, a contract which they felt was, um, you know, a good contract. But, I mean, it comes back to there's only so far Sunderland can go because that's only, they've only got so much money. So they they hit the ceiling, if you like. They they hit what is their ceiling. Yeah, for that. Um, but that's still nowhere near the ceiling that Stoke City has because the owners have got deep pockets at Stoke. I think that this is though something you know moving forward that I know obviously coming on and talking about the replacement. Um, <laughs> that's the if that's the marketplace we're offering in we're, we're operating in. We're going to be getting a manager in that bracket. So experience might make you know, hopefully make them. I mean, the bottom. Look at the that. Bottom, if they've been burned by it, I might have to look well, and else here. Look, we need to yeah, be more I mean, on the on the next manager, it's looking almost certain it's going to be Tony Mowbray. So, you know, now we're look. We're, they're working in a bracket where he's out of work. He lives locally. He's an experienced Championship manager. He's probably obviously prepared to work under the model that Sunderland are working under now, and obviously prepared to take whatever money they are or were offering Alex Neal. I mean, you know, it's not a glamorous choice, is it? But like, it's a pragmatic honestly, choice, isn't it? It is. I mean, that, like, that, that's yeah, what yeah. it is. I mean, I know people have talked about um, Manning, isn't it? At, uh, yeah, Manning. Yeah, yeah. At um, MK, MK Dons. Dons, but I understand how that would look within the system, and it would fifty. I think we've got the players for that. For but, the way well, compensation as well. You know, you wouldn't be if you're taking it. A manager from a League One team, our compensation is going to be a lot lower than, um, you know, a Championship manager if you were trying to remove a manager. But you know, you look like Tony Mowbray. He's had three years at Blackburn. Did he get them promoted? Did he get them promoted? Stabilise them and then got no, them he, he, yeah, no. he got he got them out of League One, didn't he? Got got League yeah. One. And, and bear in mind, he's been working under the Venti, so he's he's been working under yeah. stuff, you know difficult trying. Yeah. But I think the other he finished aspect, it. He finished it. He finished it. You know, yeah, with so Blackburn he's done, last he's done year. Respect. He knows, I mean, I think knows here the league, as well, he knows the league. He knows the league. Exactly. I think at the moment we need somebody who's not going well, to be stumbling around. The bottom around line is they can't learn. afford to get relegated, can they? So yeah. you, if, if you take a Liam Manning or someone like that, you're taking a gamble. You're, make, you're gambling with a manager who's not managed in the championship. The, and the key this season is to stay in the championship. Now, who's, who's going to steer you in that direction? Tony Mowbray or Liam Manning or a another who's got no championship experience? Oh. You know, you, your head says just, you know, the experienced yeah. manager is going to keep you in the championship. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm. I wouldn't be sold on man anyway. I understand where people come from. He's the, he's one of the new trendy names at the minute, but I mean, they didn't. This season hasn't started anywhere near like last season started for them. I just think often the way we play. Like, oh, um, Alex Neal was quite pragmatic, wasn't he? And it wasn't just you know we we mixed it up the way we played. Sometimes we'd move through the thirds by quick interchanging and quick little passes and one twos. But a lot of our success comes with the ball over the top down the channel mm-hmm. because Stuart and Sims are fast to get onto them, and and he's not going to play that way. We don't we don't have the players for it. More it's going to be Tony Mowbray, isn't it? For all the reasons already stated, he's he's available. He's managed to that level before. It's not. It's a bit underwhelming, isn't it? Let's be honest, it is. I think, you know, but what is evident is they don't have the money to go and show the ambition that people would want them to. This has been proved by yeah. what's just happened if with you, Alex Neal. Exactly. If you think, if you think, if you're angry at Alex Neal for leaving now, but then you're angry about the replacement that we're going to get, you need to put two and two together a little bit, don't you? Because it's like, well... The reason we're getting the person we're getting is because you know we're paying you know two bedroom semi detached house rent on a mansion with Alex Neal, and now we're going to have to get. I'm now we're going to have to move into that 
you know, two bed semi, two bed semi detached now from the mansion that we had before, and pay the going rate for that property because that is what that's kind of where we are, isn't it? We had, like you say, we had the crown jewels, and someone's come through the back door and taken them. You know, now we're recovering. Now, I mean, we, you know, and the lot, you know, a lot of people I don't think would be happy with Tony Mowbray. I think a lot of people would see that as a step down, disappointing, etc. I get, I get that because he's not a fancy name, but people are saying things like, "Oh, Deitch, you haven't got hope in hell of getting Sean Deitch." There's, there's the way out, the way out of there in terms of money. Like I mean, money, you, money, you, and also gonna... what? imagine, imagine Sean Deitch working with Christian Speakman. Mm. He'd kill him. Mm. He'd rip his head off. Yeah, you see, so that all that's got to be factored in, and and I mean, I it. it I can I completely understand where people are. You know, there will be this reaction to Tony Mowbray. There's a lot of people on social media that have made that quite clear. But I mean, at the, at the time, Alex Neal wasn't a glamorous appointment. You know, there's plenty of bad reaction to Alex Neal's appointment. You know, when when he when he arrived, I mean, of course, that that was all uh, that that was sort of I suppose in a sense because of the whole Roy Keane fiasco and all that circus that went on at that time well, didn't help i mean yet again it's like it's his name's back in the mix like which, which well, it's crazy it's I mean, no it's not gonna, like it, it's i could understand it last last year because of the situation we were in we needed somebody felt as though we just needed somebody to come in give the players a kick up the backside get them organized um defensively and see what happened um but then it was like when you saw the the tactical announcement of the manager that we brought in, it was like wow, it's like could Roy Keane get anywhere near this given he's been out of the game that long? And now you see some like foreign journalists linking him. I mean, all the stories about Roy Keane are always like, oh, well, well, he was going to take this job, but he didn't. He was going to take this job, but he didn't. He was going to take a job in Liga apparently in the summer, but he didn't. It's like, well, you know, does he really want? Does he really want to get back into it? Probably, I mean, if he did, he would have by now, surely. There must have been opportunities come up for him that he'd like, but I just think, like, I mean, we should, you know, I love Roy Keane for, for a number of reasons, but he's absolutely just not not somebody we should be looking at at this present time. It would be... Well, I mean, I'm just saying because there's, like, stories circulating again oh, that he's been, been sounded out again. It's no, like, no, well, no, no. no. I, mean, I mean, when you look at it now, I think that we're in a situation where no no manager is bigger than the club. And and they they will argue, the club will argue, that the model now that they've got in place, the structure they've got in place, is that Alex Neil goes... The new man comes in. We, we the structure is such that everything's in place for him. All he's doing is coming in and picking up the reins. And if you if you appoint someone like I mean, this is for argument's sake. If you appointed someone like Roy Keane, suddenly that flips it because the, the Roy Keane, the manager, becomes bigger in everybody's eyes than the club because of who he is. Now you, you, they're not at that level at the minute. We know that they haven't got the money. I mean, the, you know the, the the penny pinching that's going on just to stay afloat because the model is to build a sustainable club in itself is the argument that you're not going to get a Sean Dice, You're not going to get a Roy Keane. You're not going to get a Sam Allardyce. You're not going to get anybody of that yeah. stature. But they went after you're going Keane, to get the, someone who's this, middle of the road. This is the thing with his model as we keep talking about him. We, we, you know, all indications are they're not, they're not flexible with it. This is the way they say it. managers, players all need to fit. This model, we'll get onto the squad issue in, in, in a bit. I mean, Lord's to get through the tier, um, because we, we need to address that as well. Because it's kind of gone, uh, it's been it's going on the radar a little bit almost now because of, of this nail circus. But they've been quick to abandon this model previously when they went and tried to get Roy Keane and when they brought Jermaine Defoe in against you know, to much fanfare, but against all logic in terms of the kind of players the, we Defoe, needed. At Defoe time. is an interesting one because Defoe was done on the basis that the money, the income generated on his first appearance at the Stadium of Light with the size of the crowd paid for his contract. So they would argue that fits within the model because you're not trying to find extra money. You're finding existing money generated by greater, bigger crowds. Now, what was flawed about 
Jermaine Defoe was he didn't fit into the squad and the system for Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson never wanted that player because he knew that it would unsettle the squad that he had. And, and, and so it proved he was absolutely right. But nobody wanted to listen to him at the time because the agenda then was Lee Johnson was probably not going to be at the club for much longer. So why should they listen to him? I think it's an interesting one when you look at, you know, the, you know, the, what, you know, whatever one they call the, the structure of the club or, you know, the plan that they've got in place. Um, it feels a little bit like kind of Speakman kind of obviously runs the football side of the business, obviously because that's his job, but kind of almost in absence of, of, of Louis Dreyfus as well. It's kind of like he's Louis Dreyfus's man on the ground from the football perspective. Obviously, when Louis Dreyfus is away, you've got, you know, Speakman's kind of the, the eyes and ears. But then it kind of, when it comes to these sorts of big situations, you almost get this thing where like, kind of Louis Dreyfus is like, oh, like, wouldn't it be nice to like, like gets romant he kind of gets romanced by these like big names. I mean, it, it did feel as though a little bit like Speakman was like, no, I don't want Keane. And KLD was like, I want Keane. And it was in the same with Defoe, it felt a little bit like that, where it was like, he seemed to be romanced by this big name. Let's not forget when Roy Keane was on the, when his, that two weeks, the man behind that was Charlie Methven. And Charlie's no longer at the football club now. So that was another, you throw that in the mix. Back oh, really? in. So, well, I'm glad you said that, Nick, because we said that at the time anything, and we got, we got absolutely <laughs> yeah. battered for it. So I'm glad that you said that because if that is the case, then worry of vindicated <laughs> method yeah. and via fury. <laughs> these things they always come out in the wash but there you go I mean so you know that that and I mean you know that night at Cheltenham was perhaps the uh, the nemesis of it all wasn't it I mean everything went wrong that could go wrong and you know Charlie Methon's there and full sight Kirill's there Christian Speakman Mike Dodds and Michael Proctor have been thrown to the walls effectively in that in, in, you know in the headlights it was just a a metaphor that night of everything that was wrong, actually, at the time, which I think they know now with hindsight, looking back, they, you know, the mistakes. Sorry, you go on about the model, but like if it, if it's if it one if one you know card out of place causes the you know causes a whole lot of tumble, then you know how good is it? The yeah, model, because every you know? because everybody this is this is so everybody's coming out now and saying no, you know. I don't know where sort of, I mean, how Speakman's managed to turn his reputation around so much uh, off the back of Alex Nail's work because everybody wanted him out last season with, with, with the way the squad was by the time Nail come in and the, and the squad, it was all a mess, as you've just said there, as re- as recently as that game, Nick. So it's the the manager got us out of that mess and got us promoted mm. and, and, mm. and whipped the squad into shape. So how come suddenly everything's great behind the scenes now because that was only a few months ago. What's changed, really? It's well, got worse, so if anything, is, because of is, all the is everything, ticket is offers everything, and club shop. Is everything and, great behind the scenes? Because the well, point I made the I don't other day think it is, is, no. Because the point I made on Friday when we knew about the Stoke interest was if everything was right, Alex Neal would be here. We yep. wouldn't be having this discussion. Yeah. But because he's not here, things can't be right. Yep. That's, that, isn't that the nub of it? Uh, yeah, but the narrative appears to be that he was. This is the, you know, the ludicrous thing about it, right? Everyone's entitled to views, opinions, whatever. But when the news broke on Thursday night that this could happen, everyone was going, there's no way he'd leave here to go to Stoke. No chance he'd go to Stoke. And to date, well, he always was looking to get away because he was on a 12 month rolling contract. Well, he was never leaving on Thursday night. Now he's gone. He was always leaving. Well, which one is it then? He was always leaving because I, I knew we. I, I I come back to that. I know it's, it sounds slightly facetious and sort of glib, but that handshake from Alex Neal to me at the end of my interview at Stoke was a goodbye. Now I look. Few back people have asked that, about I, this, Nick. You know, Few I, people I know in the social are asking this, about this. This is this has happened. It happened with David Moyes, and it's and and as soon as I mean Alex Alex Neal did something that was completely out of character. And so, um, I, I, you know, I, I knew then that he was basically saying goodbye. It was only 
Then Thursday night, when all all the um, rumors started circulating, oh, why would he go? Why would you go? You start thinking, well, actually, there's an, there are a number of reasons why he would go, and you can start put sort of listing them. You know, closer to home, probably more money. Um, the, the fact that he, he can walk straight into a club who've got a squad that's probably good enough for the top six. He could be back in the Premier League next season. So you can start, you know, listing things that would make sense for him going. And then now you, you, you find out what's gone on. You think, well, you know, it's not, it's not so uh, off the wall as it, it probably, probably seems on, on Thursday night. I just think, yeah. And I, I just think people are quick to back the, the people who were making these terrible, who've been making these terrible decisions, who, who made one decision right in Alex Neal. And even that wasn't the first choice decision to kind of, Stumbled across it almost. It was an accident. So I, I, I wonder why people have suddenly got all this this faith in them. Because we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the players, as, the squad as well, um, and what needs to be done with that. I'll tell you what, we'll have a break and we'll do that. And we'll, we'll, we'll brush over the two matches as well. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Right, we will brush over the the, the two matches, but I think there's more uh, interesting things to, to to talk about in in relation to Sunderland at the moment. Obviously, Alex Neil, we, we, we've spent a lot of time on there. Uh, it links in with with what we've been talking about, what's going on behind the scenes, and what still needs doing in the in the transfer window. It all kind of ties together because the game on Saturday is a repeat of what we've seen at the last two games. The stadium light where Sunderland go out with the brilliant for 75 minutes. The opposition makes substitutions. The quality of the substitutes entering the field match the quality of the people who are coming off the field. Sullen don't have that. And we're getting to a point where it's like, if it's not done and dusted after 75 minutes, we're in trouble. And in the case of against QBR, it seemed done and dusted after 75 minutes and still wasn't enough. This is the problem we've got. When Alex Neil came, if you remember, again, this is this links to where people just suddenly sticking up blindly for the for the way that things are being done behind the scenes. But Alex Neil identified as soon as you come here, the issues we had. He said, all these young players are burnt out, they're knackered, and we don't have enough experience and backup to call on. What's changed? I, I, I appreciate this model that they're trying to do to bring younger players in who they can sell on. And we, yeah, that, that's the right thing to do as an overall template. But at the minute, who have we got there who's experienced? Corey Evans, who's played out of his skin at the minute, you know, if he comes out of the team, we, we don't have somebody to replace him. We don't have a we don't have somebody who can just go and, and, and replace Stuart or Sims up front. It's 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 an even, issue, isn't it? We don't like, even well, have an option to replace. It, but to see, they're so committed to this model. Fits the model. Fits the model. You can't just have that. You you need experienced players in as well, and we need. I think three or four, or we're in trouble. Is my I think you're, oh, you're, yeah, you're basically saying what everybody thinks. I think I don't, I don't know. I haven't spoken to anybody who disagrees with that. And I think, you know, Alex Neil himself said in the championship, you've got to play from minute one to minute ninety six. And as you say, they're not. They're playing from minute one to minute seventy five or minute one to minute eighty. 
but the evidence is in front of us that they, you know, that that final 15 minutes, 20 minutes is costing them because, as you said, Norwich bring on three effectively Premier League substitutes. Sunderland are scratching around to think, well, who do we, who can we bring on that can actually stem the tiredness and also change the game? But they haven't they haven't got that strength and depth, and the, the experiences in the spine, as you say, Pritchard, Evans, Bart. Right, but beyond that, you know, you, you're scratching your head because the squad is predominantly. If you look at it, what's it, 25 man squad at the minute, 24, 25 man squad, 90% of that, maybe 75% of that squad is 22 or under. We saw how they got burnt out last season. We saw Dan Neal burnt out on Saturday at 75 minutes. So it, it, it's there is a problem, and I, I did wonder on. Thursday, Friday, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what's going through Alex Neal's head when he sees Middlesbrough sign Max Clark from Brighton for two and a half million pounds, 25 years old, would have been absolutely the perfect player to replace Ballard at the moment while he's injured, but also to strengthen your spine, if you like, and your defence. But no, that he, he goes to, to Middlesbrough for what is, relatively speaking, you know, a small sum in football terms. And... Um, Sunderland are probably scratching around for a 22, 23-year-old defender on loan with very little experience. Or a wing, a, an 18-year-old winger from or Costa Rica. an 18-year-old from Costa Rica, yeah. I, mean, I know Mishu was there on Saturday, but again, yeah. he's only 19. I mean, that, that looks an, interest, an interesting one, but at the same time, I feel like we're in danger of just the, the squad being imbalanced again. And when the going gets tough, you know, you, if you start, who who have you got a call up on, you know, to to strengthen that, resolve in, in some experience in the name in the in in a way of some experience and, you know, I mean you've got Bailey Wright, Danny Bart, um, Corey Evans, Alex Pritchard. That's probably it, really, isn't it? In terms of people you'd say were exper- experienced heads, sort of with leadership skills, um. You know, we are just lack. We're just lacking in that area, and I can't believe any like people talk about. Or, we, you know, the managers being backed or whatever. It's like, well, we've got the third highest net spend in in the division, whatever. Well, but if it if it doesn't serve, it doesn't serve the purpose. Then it, 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 it's we'll just irrelevant. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. If it doesn't see, serve the purpose, you, it's, you not, it's, that, not, that, it's not that, relevant. That net spend is another issue because Sunderland spent nothing like the figures that have been. No. thrown around now what where where the agenda for putting those figures out has come from and who's put them out i don't know but there's nothing nothing like the money that's been spent allegedly it's way way lower than those sums and you know net terms and they've not paid those sort of sums um certainly not up front so you know that that uh, it's interesting because alex neil always said he'd bought into the model and he'd, he'd, he'd worked similarly at norwich uh, in in the past, but I still and, and and you know it's it will be the club will say well he he was in on the transfers he knew we were signing this X Y Z he has his say on that but I'm still not convinced that someone like Alex Neil was 100 percent happy with a with a model in inverted commas that didn't allow him to bring in more experienced players because he said when he arrived. Had he arrived during the transfer window, he'd have wanted to bring in two experienced players, but he clearly couldn't because he arrived after the window had shut. So, um, you know, I think there is an issue with the, I, you know, to, to my mind, the model needs tinkering with in that respect yeah. because if you're going to survive 46 games in the championship, the, the key to that is balance. And I don't think the squad is balanced well, in terms of experience and youth. But you know, we heard, you know, on one of the one of the earlier sort of Speakman um, podcasts, I think he did with the club. Um, he was talking about categories of players and the one percentage of the squad that is made up of these types of players, percentage of the squads that's made up of the experienced players, all this kind of thing. But I can't, I can't believe that quarter percentage can only be four players. Maybe they categorise people like Luke O'Nine or Patrick Roberts in that category because Roberts says had what 50, 50 appearances in a championship level, mm. and Luke O'Nine's you know twenty eight, twenty nine years old. 
something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's the way they want to categorise it. But... but they also haven't, I mean, that they also don't say we can't sign experienced players, but they have to be out of contract or free. But I don't see, we haven't seen any evidence of that in this window. Unless yeah. we're, we're going to see that in the next four days, three days, or whatever it is yeah. now. I mean, it would be a gamble and you'd probably need, I mean, I don't even know where he is at the moment. Or, you know, you know, someone like, a, like I'm going to say this and then people are going to like go Come mad. Come on, then give us a, like, just give us your like someone, now. someone like a Danny Drinkwater. So that type of player, do you know what I mean? Someone who's struggled in recent years, maybe fell out of love with the game a bit, maybe made some bad decisions, but has obviously has quality. You know, I guess he'd pick, I guess he'd kind of be in that Darren Gibson type mold, wouldn't he? Where you go, well, we know he could be a good player, but you know, bring would, somebody would like Sunderland that in. pay him? Well, I don't know. I don't even know he, what he's he, doing. I don't even know. He, is he, 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 he I don't think he's got a club at the moment. He hasn't got a club at the moment, has he? But I do wonder if they pay his his well, wage to yeah. because well, instance, got, like when then last yeah. season it was it January. Um, the the fullback from Everton who went who'd been on loan at Ipswich went to Blackpool. He didn't come to Sunderland because Sunderland couldn't match the wages that Blackpool were going to pay him. Yeah. Okay. And and it, you know that will be to, to my mind that could that that could be one of the the problems with trying to find experienced out of contract pre transfer yeah. players. I mean yes, and they can still do that after the window shuts. But the, you know you then hit the the wall of can they afford players of that quality, can they afford their wages? Well, I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, he's a fix, he's a fixer-upper, isn't he? That, that basically, and maybe that's a play, like, and, and some might argue, oh, sign those kind of players in the past always end badly. That, that's fine. And, you know, I'm sure other people have got better examples. That was just a player off the top of my head. But if we're talking about players who are unattached um, or available for loan, maybe, I was... Talking to one of the lads at the weekend saying, you know, the type of player we should, you know, obviously we're never going to get him, but like a like John Fleck from Sheffield United, that type of player in the middle of the park. If if Corey Evans is out, you bring that type of player in. That did I sometimes think like maybe because if you if you your system so heavily rise on someone like Evans, and then Evans gets injured, and your replacement is Matetti or nine, they're just not. They're just not the same. It changes the way you play completely. That's like replacing, you know, like bringing on Robert, Patrick Roberts for mm. uh, like Ellis Sims or, or Ross Stewart and then say, oh, are you going to play up front? Because you're on a bit of an attacking player. It's the same thing. And if somebody like that's so integral to the way you play, they should be have a, a, a similar profile replacement that they can put into the team should he come out of the team. And this is a player we're talking about who has had a lot of injuries and was injured a lot of times last season. And in, in the time he's been at Sunderland, you know, he's probably pay, played, what, 60, 65% of the games. Um, well, they're clocking the, up yellow cards Because of the injuries, <laughs> yeah. So you just got, I just think, it's all very well saying, oh, well, oh, we played really well at the weekend, but we're a bit unlucky to, to lose the game or a bit unlucky to draw the game. Or if if Daniel Lang got sent off at Sheffield United, you know, we probably would have got something from that game. How long do you go on for having that conversation? No, we've lost five games in a row, but we should have won them all. And it's because we did couldn't make any changes from the bench to 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 stay, to to take to continue playing the way we were playing in that game to give us a chance of getting the result. And we have three days to rectify that. Well, I mean, looking at who we're playing, I, I guess. I don't know everything about Rotherham's squad, but I imagine they're, they're, they're both on the table now. Yeah, but I would imagine they don't have the the quality of subs to bring on, for example, that that Norwich have had and the Coventry have had. Yeah, probably not. No. Um, I mean, you're talking about you know key players. So I, I we were the, the, the Rotherham podcast there in New York talking. We didn't have time to sort anything out to to, to get one of the lads on, but <clears throat> he has just sent me a message just to give me a quick summary of of where they are. This season, and he mentions a player who, who's interesting. So, um, three five two same as last season, but the dawn players direct. They've they've acclimatised the championship and they're playing more through the middle and through the thirds now. Um, 
Dan Bar, I don't know how you pronounce it. Bar, 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 He's been excellent so far. He was good last season, wasn't he? That's the kind of player who, you know, will get, will somebody will go and sign another championship club at some point. I mean, he's a staunch Newcastle fan, so I don't know how where. Uh, I don't know how well that would go anywhere, yeah. but um, only considered two, yet to concede in the second half. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because we we are struggling and we we just can't defend in the last fifteen minutes, and yeah, and Rotherham haven't conceded a goal in the second half yet. They're strong. They're a big. Phys- I mean, they're, they're. I mean, you remember last season? They're a strong side. They're physical. I know they've lost Iwakwi and a couple of players. Um, Paul Warren always builds his sign sides around fitness, though, doesn't he? I mean, that's one of the hallmarks, which is interesting. He's he's built a team around fitness, and you know we're talking about a, a Sunderland team that, while it's fit, is flagging in the final quarter of games. It's a real it, issue, it, it, and and, 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 it, and it is a big issue. There's no, and it's not you know it, it's not rocket science, is it, to, to see where the problem is, where that issue is, because it's happened to Sunderland now. Against Coventry on the opening day, Queens Park Rangers, Norwich, you, you know, there's a there's a common denominator there, and it's that final final quarter of the game because Sunderland hasn't got the strength in depth. Yeah, hey. are we going to? I mean, this is the second transfer window on the bounce where we're going into the final days with no manager. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what the you know. If, but it's like January it's all over again, isn't it? But do, do, where... do you know, I mean, I don't want to preempt anything here, but say we don't get the players in that we want, do you think Alex Neal will be the scapegoat and they'll just say, oh, well, we were did have these players lined up, but because the manager left, they don't want to come anymore? I don't know. I'm not sure. that. I think people do realise that, that, that the transfer, the recruitment business is now largely done by Stuart Harvey and Christian Speakman. And, you know, Alex Neal was at pains to point out that you know, times have changed. It's not 10 years ago now. The manager's input into the actual recruitment is is fairly minimal. It comes down, even Lee Johnson was the same, said, yeah, he would get the final say because he was often asked, wasn't he? Did, did you, would you say yay or no to a player? And, and, and that's the, ultimately the buck stops with him as to whether he wanted the player to come in or not. But the, predominantly the business is done by now Christian Speakman, Stuart Harvey and that side of the club rather than Alex Neal or whoever is coming in. And then whoever, we, you've got to assume now that transfer business is still going on regardless of Alex Neal going to Stoke. I mean, the fact that Mishu was there on, on Saturday, I understand there's another player coming in and there may be more, but that will that's carrying on regardless. But you've got to hope another in the next player, two or three days that, that, another, that you know another player is in as well as that Mishu. Yes, sorry. yeah, on top of Mishu. Does, yeah. does he fit? Does he fit more the Speakman profile? Or more the, I don't know. I don't know. I just know, know there is another one. Know it is. Yeah, it needs to be older. It just needs, to, yeah, you know, somebody with a bit of experience in the division. You know, but like, <laughs> I mean, we need we need four or five players, man. Easy. Like, mm. We do. You need Sorry. to make. Well, you need to be in a position like all these other stronger clubs are being played against us. So that when you're making three or four substitutions in the second half, the quality's not deteriorating. But the interesting and, thing is, in the games that have been played so far, if you go back and look at how many substitutions have been made, Sunderland have made one, two, on a rare occasion, three. The opposition are all making. You know, they're using up their five substitutes on the whole. They're making mm-hmm. and they're doing it very. They're doing it tactfully. I mean, you know, managers are making use of half time and getting the, the, the fourth substitution, if you like, at times. So they're, they're, they're experienced at this level and they know how to manage the substitutions. Sunderland can't manage the substitutions because they haven't got the bench to manage. Yeah. And, they, they, yeah. and again, it's not a very, you know, good indictment that yeah. they perceive the bench. They would rather leave knackered players out there. Than, than what than use the bench oh, right, like what does that tell you about the people can well, say it's funny because Alex Neal will tell you that yeah I mean Sheffield Wednesday was a prime example wasn't it 
at Hillsborough when you know in the playoffs he said that you know the players were we all felt the players were clearly knackered but he trusted them and I think you know that one thing that Alex Neal did bring with that group of players was trust I mean he knew you know you've got to give him credit where credit's due he he engendered an incredible team spirit and he he also knew his players inside out and what he what they would give him um and which will be interesting to see now sorry, if it is Tony Mowbray that comes in, will he get out of this group of players what Alex Neal was getting out of this group of players in that sense? If he hasn't got the strength and depth that we fear may be the result of this window. That's going to, it's going to be, we've got till Thursday, haven't we, to sign players? Yeah. Because of this bank holiday, so there's that extra day. Um, and you just think, Hand on, like people can say, oh, Speakman's done a good job, or the manager was backed, or you know, if that if that's how you feel, or you, you feel as all the players in the squad are good enough, generally that's fine, and you're happy with the business that's been done. For me personally, that squad is well short of where it needs to be to play 46 games, um, and we're already seeing the evidence of that. We've got three days to fix that. And if we don't fix it, then I'll be of the opinion we have left ourselves. We've left ourselves open with the manager situation. That's come back to bite us. At least the lads on the pitch of like the playing well above the expectation levels, I think, and the work and the backsides off in the games to to, to get results and have been really good. But they need some help. They need some help. Well, it hasn't helped Alex Neil going because it's deflected away from the business of. Yeah. Doing transfers, but should it? I mean, technically, it shouldn't. Should it? It shouldn't. Shouldn't. Though. But I think it, it, it. I think inevitably it must do because Christian Speakman um, and the club are now looking to try and find a replacement and deal with that as well as trying to get players in. But what well, we haven't seen in, in the last learned, week if is they'd learned from before, Nick. Though then they should have a they should have a list of lined up that available that they could just drop in, which we but, said in January when. But even when even 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 if you accept that Tony Nobre, is, you know, is, is going to be done quickly because he lives down the road, it's still taking time to sort out his contract and it's deflected. Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen either what Alex Neal promised would happen the last week yeah. of the season, the supermarket sweep. Yeah. Where's the evidence of the supermarket sweep of players suddenly all coming in? It's just not happened. Maybe Christian will accelerate the process and do um, all of Mowbray's three interviews in one day. <laughs> we'll just quick, quickly get through these, go tick these boxes. Then you come, Tony. We'll just, we'll just do the three interviews off the bat. You've got the job. Don't worry about it, though. Accelerate the process is, accelerate the is process. how Speakman would have said yeah, it as yeah. well. We he would use that. He would use, he would use he would use that. Um I think it's you know, a few people sorry, sorry for all the people who who who've sent us questions and, and comments and tweets and stuff, but we just haven't had time to, to read about. I think a lot of mainly questions directed at you, Nick. We I think we've covered and, and, and answered most of them. Um anyway, but I think you know, the people who are asking us who do you think the next manager it, it does feel, doesn't it? Like there's not even any point in having a debate about it. Like, I think from what we gathered at the weekend, I think, you know, it's, it's, and I haven't seen or heard anything from anywhere that it's not. Do you know what I mean? Not, and I, I, do you so think I, it'll I think, be before, before Rotherham or do you think it'll be I think after? so. I, I, I would, my assumption would be, I don't know, I may find out later today, but certainly tomorrow, which is a norm, which would be the normal press conference day before a game anyway, something's got to happen. You think they'd want give. to do it quickly again? You, you think so, dis- yeah. I, I think it's... The lack yeah. of transfer activity as well, because yeah. because if they bring somebody in now, and Mowbray is not going to take much negotiation, and if I think they, if, if, yeah, if they do it quickly, it's going get, to distract people. We didn't people, get Neil it? announced till five o'clock last night. Didn't help, because whilst Neil's not announced by Stoke, ostensibly he's still Sunderland's employee if you like so that probably has not helped the situation yeah and I think at least it'll give the fan base something to talk about for a couple of days and, and people will they'll, they'll maybe hope people won't get on number of transfers or whatever because um, a few people are just saying like who do you, you know who do you, and, and, and some names are coming out I mean I, I will I mean what would your so say Think Sunderland did have this money that some people think they have, which they haven't, um, and they were going to say, right, okay, we're going to go and take take somebody else's manager. So like blue sky thinking, if you like, what would? Because I, I would love for them to go, and I've said this the last few over the last few managerial appointments. Mark Robbins will be will, will be my choice. I think he's done 
an unbelievable job yeah. at Coventry. And in, in a previous life, Sunderland would have been able to go and take a manager well, like that from somebody, wouldn't it? In a previous life, we did try, and Coventry gave him a new contract. Mm. Do you not remember? After Jack, I think it was after. Well, Jack he got Ruff linked left. with us, didn't he? And he, and he well, signed a new contract. Yeah. Well, he signed a new contract about two days after it looked as though we were going to. He was the person we were going to try and get. I think he's done a great job there. Oh yes, he's he's quietly well, got on with it under yeah. under trying circumstances as well. To be honest, I mean. Mm. Heaven knows what he's been thinking at the beginning of the season when they think they've got all their stadium problems sorted out and then it turns out they haven't because they're now playing catch-up. But he's still achieved. He's done exceptionally well with you know the players that he's got at Coventry. And quietly, I don't think nobody's, really, nobody's ever really sung his praises, have they, in, in terms of what he's done with Coventry and had them sort of knocking on the door of the playoffs last season. Yeah, League Two yeah. when he went there, haven't they? Yeah. Well, remember, they were strong. I mean, you know, you only have to go, well, that 5-4 game maybe was a bit yeah. of an exception. But when Sunderland played them down at St Andrews the last time, you know, they, they were a strong, they looked they looked a very, very capable team. I was very impressed with them. I mean, then, yeah. and they've gone into the championship and, and they've built on season on season. They've done exactly what Alex Neal used to talk about, you know, consolidate, build, uh, um, experience, and now they're established. What about you, Gareth? If you could pluck someone, we could pluck. It was funny because I was thinking about Mark Robbins as well the other day. Um, if I could take somebody like realistic, if I'd take somebody, I think I'd probably look at him. I think he's similar in a similar mold. We are in a position to go and do that, isn't it? That's really frustrating. Yeah. What about but if we um, were if we were in a position to do that, we wouldn't have lost Neil. Any run? It's a random names that you'd like. Sort of thing. Oh, I could see There's Robbie Fowler on sleeves as uh, rotten boats caused a bit of a. The thing is, I, I um, it Wait, takes a bit of though. It takes yeah. a bit though. Actually, he said to be fair, like he's not just plucked with him from the air. He's he's, he's he, he, he spoke about the job he's done in Australia and stuff like that. It's an interesting one. So, the other one, I, I, the other, yeah, the other go, manager. We'll get people. We'll get someone in the press again. Yeah, well, oh, well. get some talked about. I mean, the other manager actually, the other uh, who I actually was very impressed by and. I was slightly surprised that he left. Was Neil Critchley leaving Blackpool to go to yeah. Villa as we've, number two? Because I actually thought what that, Neil Critchley yeah. did at Blackpool was was exceptional. I think you know he he again would have been a, a coach or a manager that could, have, could that could deal with this Sunderland squad and and get in, in many ways what Alex Neil's got out of them. We said that, but I think he would need experience as well. Friday, you know? yeah. yeah, but he's probably <laughs> the way Gerard's gone there. He's probably got his eye on that job now. Possibly. <laughs> Yeah, it's, but it, it feels like pointless having this debate. It's going to be Tony Mowbray, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it's too, there's too many boxes he ticks for them for them for not to be and available and free is the biggest box. Yeah, it's the yeah. biggest box, unfortunately. Um, and that and that, I think that's and I, you know it's it's uninspiring, but, it, it's, but people it's should safe. look at that it's and safe, go, isn't it? That is that is the marketplace that we are operating in. Yeah, and the manager we had didn't sit within that marketplace. Yep. And he's gone now, and now we're we're shopping in the, in, the, in that marketplace to find a replacement because that's where we are. And that, that's little rather than Waitrose is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I love Little Nick to be fair, so <laughs> I, I like going to Little. I love it. I do my shopping at Little. The Little app's great. I mean, you get you know if you spend two hundred pound a month, you get like a tenner off your next shop. It's pretty good. So yeah, pro Little. Uh, maybe we could have a look in the. Uh, in the middle aisle for a manager. Be <laughs> one there. Who knows? Ricardo Carvajal sitting in the little middle aisle. Little. Someone like that. Some random foreign manager who used to Ito Karanga. Someone like that. Oh, God. It's funny how these like, managers get you, the stock. Like Karanga, he seems very difficult to speak. The stock just of these people. Have, you know, it's funny, isn't it, how they're, they're just drops so quickly doesn't it after somebody's done perceived of doing a good job and becomes like an oh, they're always an in that's a link when a job comes up and then they kind of just disappear and then the next thing you know you're managing in Qatar or something Saudi Arabia or somewhere like that well they moved to Scotland oh they moved to Scotland yeah yeah well and that's all gone well yeah. hasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. doing well yeah. on there Mm-hmm. <laughs> former Sunderland managers up there doing very well yeah. right okay we've uh, 
gone on quite a bit. We haven't there. even talked about any of the football, but uh, I think it's but this is it's this, secondary, this is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Secondary. And also, like I, I feel like it's just we're just saying the same things. We we've done it. We've done a quick summary of it there. Played really well for seventy-five minutes, and I got after that. And that's <laughs> that's where Sunderland are, mate. And that's the way it's going to continue to be until it brings some players in. If you want to, um, if if you want to um, get more reaction on the match, listen to the reaction pod the guys did on. Uh, Saturday after the game, that's that'll be on your feed if you haven't listened to it already. And remember to head over to wisemansay.co.uk as well um, for all the latest in opinion pieces, um, etc., from the variety of writers we have at our disposal. And remember to subscribe to the Twist newsletter as well. The link will be on the website and it's also available through our Twitter header. Indeed. Indeed. Well, you know, by by the time the Rotherham game comes around, we might might not have some news. Probably, you've just said James Hunter's trying to ring you, Nick. He's probably breaking something to you there, and uh, we've we've <laughs> missed it and we've recorded. Uh, that has happened before, so um, yeah. we'll quickly we'll Should quickly put answer, this out. We? We'll quickly put this out. Yeah, we've got him on live. Um, right, okay. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.